This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's future award-winning Moranalytics podcast, episode 176. I'll be joined by Lindsay O'K, football blogger and popular Twitter personality based in Baltimore. So she has very intimate knowledge of the Baltimore Ravens. And we'll get you ready for a very, very big football game on Sunday between the Ravens and the Buffalo Bills. Lindsay has plenty of insight on several Ravens players. So we'll hit on all that. We'll also talk some Joe Flacco, Matt Ryan, Josh Rosen, Twitter trolls, and I'll have a fun mini lightning round with Lindsay. Give fans an opportunity to know a lot more about her. I'll also have a little bit of Sabres talk right at the beginning of the podcast. Get to that in just a minute. Before that, I want to let you know today's show is being supported by 26 Shirts. At 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo theme design is sold every two weeks. And then bam, presto, thin air, it's gone. Here's the best part about 26 Shirts, and there's so much to like about them. For every single shirt that they sell, they make a donation to either a local family in need or to a worthy charity. Since 2013, their designs have managed to raise and donate over $670,000. Folks, that's just insane. Del Reed, who, by the way, was just on this podcast earlier this week. Del, his crew, they do amazing work. They enrich the lives of so many people. It's awesome to see And last but not least, when it comes to 26 shirts, we're talking about all the charitable parts of it. These are some really cool-ass shirts, man. They look great. They're designed well. They're comfy. They're sporty to wear. Look really good on you. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. And on that note, suit a pod. Let's do it. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, podcast fans, what's going on? How you doing? Episode 176. Thank you, as always, for listening and for downloading the show. If you've not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. This is for all you Bills fans out there. Wanting to know, where did Mark Miller go? Well, I got a message for you 27 years later, Gary. Dallas went down, Gary. Only Buffalo won that game. Dallas went Mark Miller alive and very well, 27 years later, making a video that pretty much instantly has went viral. How awesome is that? If you're a Bills fan, I don't need to explain the backstory to you. 
you're not a Bills fan, you're probably not going to get it anyway. But man, that was really cool. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. I don't know why, but I feel like I've heard over the years that Mark Miller, because his video obviously 27 years ago was famous. I heard that he was dead. I honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not even think he was alive anymore. So that was really awesome. Apparently earlier this week, he made a Twitter account and some people did not believe it was him. So then on Wednesday, he put that out video out on his Twitter or someone helped him do it, whatever have you. And bam, started spreading like wildfire. So awesome. So cool. Kind of sucks that your boy puts out a Twitter video and has an account for like 16 hours and already has more followers than I've had in a decade. But that's the way it goes on social media. Anyway, Mark Miller, alive and well. That was absolutely awesome. One other thing too, before I get to the interview with Lindsay OK, I just want to at least semi-apologize real quick here to the Buffalo Sabres and more specifically Sabres fans who otherwise probably, or hopefully at least, enjoy this podcast. I've been hard on the Sabres this year, harder than I should be. As I look at the overall picture of this team this year right now, I've been kind of kind of a dick, to be honest with you, when it comes to the Sabres. At best, I'd say I've been dismissive of them. At worst, I've probably been a straight-up hater. They started out hot. They cooled off big time. Actually, you know what? Saying cool off is being generous. They started playing like shit. And I jumped off the bandwagon really quick. And since then, I've really had any Sabres talk or any Sabres coverage on this podcast. And it's not the right thing to do. It's not a smart move. This team's not playing bad. I'm taping this opening Thursday evening. But before they start the West Coast trip, they're in Calgary late Thursday night. 28 games in. They're 13, 10, and 5. They'd be in the playoffs, actually, if the playoffs were to start right now. So this team's all right. They're not playing bad hockey at all. And I probably should start giving them more respect. Certainly should start giving them more attention. And that's going to be what I'll be doing in future episodes. I'm going to start having more guests on whose focus is on the Sabres. that can provide much better insight than I can on my own. So look for that in the coming episodes. As for today, it's time. Let's jump into today's interview. It's a good one. Bills Ravens on Sunday. Let's start to get ready for that right now. Lindsay okay. Here it is. All right, my guest today is an NFL blogger and also one of my favorite Twitter personalities. She lives near the Baltimore area. Ravens fan has grown up following a team for a long time. So I thought this would be a really good time to get her back on the podcast with the Ravens playing the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Of course, I am talking about Lindsay OK. How you doing, Lindsay? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. This is take two for everyone out there listening. Unfortunately, we were only a couple minutes in. I realized that the SD card was not recording. Lindsay is kind enough to say, all right, man, we can still do this again. So thanks for your patience there. Big oh, yeah, game. for sure. I was in the middle of like a Joe Flacco rant too. You so were, just, and we're going to, you know, I definitely want to hear, and I'm sure people want to hear more about that. Again, big game coming up on Sunday, Buffalo and Baltimore, 10 and two Ravens, nine and three Buffalo Bills, plenty to play for, for both teams. So we're going to talk about that in just a couple minutes. But as I was starting to say when we were talking a couple minutes earlier, people who might be new to following you on Twitter might not know how much of a Joe Flacco fan that you actually are. Your Joe Flacco fandom is actually on Twitter, at least pretty legendary. Where does that stem from? 
And it was strong enough that even earlier this season, after it got traded this winter to the Denver Broncos, that you were actively watching Broncos games, rooting for him and tweeting about that, sometimes as much or even more than Ravens games. So tell us a little bit about why you're such a big fan of Joe Flacco and why you have been. So he was just kind of one of the first football players that I really loved. I mean, I've been watching football for a while, but I kind of, I love his attitude where I don't care what you say about me. Um, I don't care what Twitter says about me. Like I'm still going to go out here and I'm still going to help my team win and do what I can to have my team win the game. So I've just always been kind of drawn to that personality. And I just, I don't know. I would have liked to see him do well with the Broncos. I'm really sad about what happened to him this year, but um. I don't know. I just I feel like Baltimore kind of never really built around him. And I think they should have, especially after that big contract. And I kind of feel like Denver kind of screwed him, too. So I was really rooting for him to do well. I thought Denver would kind of be a place where he would thrive. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. But I'm still I'm still rooting for him. And I still hope he gets another chance, whether it's in Denver or elsewhere. I got to ask you when it comes to Denver this offseason. So he gets traded to the Broncos. What's your Initial reaction, I'm sure it wasn't too much of a shock for you, but it still had to be a little bit sad and stressful because this is the NFL and it's a league where most players, no matter who they are, they could be first ballot Hall of Famers. They don't usually get to finish where they started. Teams eventually make business decisions and they move on. It's happened to Brett Favre. It's happened to almost every great quarterback in the NFL at some point of their career. So when you first found out the news, how sad did it make you? Um, it was pretty sad. Um, unfortunately, I kind of expected it. Once I once I took Lamar Jackson in the draft, I kind of knew that his time was up. But I, I really thought he had at least one, one year left there. And he did. I mean, he ended up getting hurt. But I, I liked seeing him go to Denver. As I mentioned before, I kind of felt like that was a good place for him. I didn't want to see him go somewhere like Tampa Bay where he I knew he wouldn't be successful. So um, yeah, it was kind of sad. But fortunately, it was kind of expected. And I was mentally ready for it. <laughs> Yeah, it was a move that kind of it felt like it made sense for Denver at the time. It was expected that they would be a playoff contender. Now things obviously have not went their way this year with Denver. Flacco got hurt. He's done for the season. He played reasonably okay at times, not well, but he was hardly the only problem with that team. The offensive line's had issues. The, the entire offense as a whole has had issues. So just not a good year in Denver. I want to turn my attention to Matt Ryan, the quarterback for the Falcons. I, I have to oh, ask you this, okay? I know. So not your favorite. But anyway, I see all the time. Again, if somebody follows you on Twitter, they'll know you're constantly getting after Matt Ryan. Now you're doing it in a fun way, a harmless way. You're not being nasty and personal with him and his family like so many other fans out there tend to do, which is just absolutely sickening. But anyway, I'm trying to think in my mind. I'm like, all right, well, the Ravens never played the Falcons in the Super Bowl or anything like that. Yet you got plenty of those 28 to three jokes. I kind of want to know with, uh, and I don't even want to say your dislike for Matt Ryan, because I'm not even sure that you actually dislike him as a person anyway, but your jokes, your ball busting when it comes to Matt Ryan, where does that stem from? So you're right. I don't actually hate him. He knows I don't actually hate him. Um, I even sent him a gift when his kids were born, believe it or not. But um, That's awesome. I don't know. It's just kind of all in fun. I mean, it started with the whole Joe Flacco and Matt Ryan were drafted in the same year. And I always felt that Matt Ryan kind of got a lot more credit than Joe Flacco ever got. And Matt Ryan had a lot more to work with. And Joe Flacco's out here going to the playoffs every year. And he still didn't get the kind of credit that Matt Ryan got. So I think it kind of stems from there. It's just, I mean, the the Super Bowl the, was one of the best nights of my life. <laughs> because it just gave me so much material. Yeah, it gave you a um, lifetime of ammunition. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, but it's just kind of, I mean, it's just something I play with and have fun with there. Unfortunately, a lot of people take it really seriously, which I don't really like, but I mean, that's on them. That's not on me. I'm just having fun with it. Like I said, he knows I don't actually hate him. So one more quarterback I want to talk to before we start talking about the Ravens and that's Josh (laughs) Rosen. Okay. Now this is a kid and you're a fan of him. You've tweeted about him plenty. He's with Miami, obviously right now. You want to talk about a real conundrum. That's what this kid is because he's a top 10 pick, but he's been on two teams in two years and has been a colossal failure for him both seasons now on two different teams. But at the same token, it's like, all right. And this is a problem for me because coming into the draft, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, obviously I have a Buffalo podcast. I'm a Buffalo guy and I'm glad things worked out the way they did with Josh Allen. But at the time I was very much pro Josh Rosen. I wanted the bills to take Josh Rosen. So anyway, he goes to Arizona. He has absolute crap around him. That's one of the worst offensive lines that I've ever seen in my entire life of talking about the NFL last year with Arizona. He gets dumped because Arizona has a first, a new coach and they get the first overall picks and they want to go Kyler Murray. I get it. New administration. That happens. So he ends up in Miami this year, a team that's going nowhere that most people thought were tanking. And it certainly looked that way early on, although they've won now, I think three of the last four or five, something like that. But it's like, why did he not get a fair opportunity in Miami? It felt like the leash was way too short. Miami's not a win now team right now, yet they keep rolling out Ryan Fitzpatrick, who Buffalo fans know very well. This guy and a lot of the criticism of Josh Rosen's going to be, well, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has the same shitty supporting cast around him as well, but he's not playing as bad as Josh Rosen did during his limited starts and opportunities. But Ryan Fitzpatrick spent his whole career, his 10,000-year career, playing around a bunch of shit players. So he's used to this. I know you're a Josh Rosen fan. I'm sure you feel the same way that I do. It's like, this kid's just not getting a a, a fair shake at all right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, He got dealt a really bad hand in Arizona, um, and then he got shipped off for... And he handled it really well. And that's what I yes. really love about him. I love the way he handled that. Um, Cause I don't know it, at his age, if I would have handled it that way. Is that what helped? Is that what helped make you a bigger fan of his, the way he handled? I remember that he, when he got traded from Arizona, he was known as kind of having, I don't want to say an attitude problem, but he was perceived in some circles as that, but he handled that trade very, very well, where a lot of people want to, is that what helped you become a bigger fan of his? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of, I mean, it's, it's a well-known thing in sports that they don't want you to have an opinion. And I love, I've always loved the fact that he was afraid to talk about what he believed in and he wasn't afraid to have an opinion. And I've always loved that about him. And, um, I feel like the whole, he's a bad teammate story and all that stuff. Like he had an attitude problem and he didn't like, he didn't respect authority and all of that. Like if that was true, then that was the perfect opportunity for him to let that be known. And instead he took it like a man and he took probably, I mean, this is, he, this is a young kid. This is his dream. And it just basically crumbled in front of him. And he still got on Twitter and made a video and said, like, thank you for everything you've done. Like he could have easily said, thanks for a shitty year. Like you guys fucked me, you know, right, yeah. but he didn't. I don't know. I like the way he's handled himself. And then in Miami too, he's handled himself like a pro as well. You know, he's been behind Fitzpatrick They've been talking on the sidelines. He's been all smiles, like all business, first one in, last one out. You know, like he he's really handling himself. And I'm I'm not saying that doing that make, gives you a fair chance. It doesn't make you a good player, but it definitely shows where his head's at. And I think that's important. And in Miami, I don't think he was given, a, like you said, the leash was so short there. I don't think he was given a fair chance there either. I think he would do really well with a team that had a little bit around it, 
a little bit more because both both of those teams didn't have anything. I'd like to see him maybe maybe in Chicago, somewhere with a good coach who just has some tools around him, a good defense, you know, some stuff to work with. I and a good he needs a full off season. He needs like to get with a quarterback coach and work with them. Like he just needs a bunch of little things, and I think we will see him improve. I don't think he's a guy that you can just throw to the wolves and he's going to be Peyton Manning, you know? Right. And I feel like, unfortunately, when you're like a top pick, that's what everybody expects of you. And that's just not, that's not ideal. I feel like that kind of hurts players a little bit. Same with Baker Mayfield. You can make that argument. People just expect them to be this lights out player. And in reality, they're young kids who just need a little bit of work. They're going from college to NFL and that's not an easy transition. So yeah, yeah, I definitely I like to, I definitely like to see him someplace with just a little bit more that he can work with and has a little bit more to fall back on. Whereas instead he's getting punished for not playing well when it shouldn't be all on him. It should be on the entire team because the entire team up from the general manager down to the kicker is just not good. Yeah. It really has been baffling to me this season in Miami that no matter what, I don't care if they went 0 16, this kid should have been the guy from week one to week 16, see what you have. And you already know what you have in Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is fine. I mean, that he's a, a journeyman. He's a, he's a backup. He's a starter who can have a couple of games where he plays lights out like he did against Philadelphia last week. But for the most part, you know what you're going to get with Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you're the Miami Dolphins, I've never understood this year why they didn't just roll with this kid. I don't care. Even if he's the worst quarterback in the NFL, roll with him for a year. And then you know he's not your guy. So when you go into draft and you're two and twelve or two and fourteen, three and thirteen, whatever they're gonna be, and they got a high pick, yeah, sure. Go get your quarterback. I just hope for the kid that it works out because it's pretty obvious now he's likely to be on a third team next year in three seasons. And maybe he's just not maybe he doesn't have it at the NFL level. That's certainly possible, but I I'd like to at least see him go to a team where he's gonna have an opportunity. Like you said, maybe it's Chicago, maybe it's Pittsburgh next year. Who who the hell knows? But an NFL franchise where he'll at least have a fair opportunity to come in, compete for a starting spot, have some support around him, and maybe he'll be a little bit better off. I want to talk about one more thing, Lindsay, before we get to Baltimore Ravens stuff here. I, I said right at the top, I consider you one of my favorite Twitter personalities. I always get a kick out of your tweets. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they can be serious. I do feel like you offer some really good football insight. When you're in the mood, I offer some good football insight. <laughs> but I've noticed with you as much as anyone, and I'm sure some of it is because you're a female, you're a young lady, an attractive young lady. So some people are going to naturally not want to take you serious for that reason alone, on top of anything else, potentially. But you get and deal with more trolls on Twitter than quite possibly anyone else I know. How the hell... Do you manage to deal with that and not snap? Because I can tell you right now, I'm not good at that. You got way more followers on Twitter than me. You're much better looking at me. Some people are reacting or interacting with you a lot more often than they are with me. But my point is, I see some people seeing some really nasty ass shit to you. How the hell do you just deal with that shit all the time? It's tough. I don't know. I really don't. Like there have been times when I've just said, fuck it, I'm deleting this. But the sad thing is like, as much as I would love to delete Twitter, like that's how I make my money. Right. So it's like, it's like a give and take there. Like I can't just like quit. And another thing, like I've worked really hard for this. Like I worked my way up from an intern. I do this. I, I do everything myself. Like I'm really proud of it and I'm not going to give it up just because of these people. And like, I thought about this today because I mean, 
some some of these people are just like nonstop. Like you're wasting so much energy hating me. Right. And when you could be doing something, anything else, anything else. And it's like, I like I know that you would never say this to me in real life. Yeah. You would if you saw me out, you would not come up to me and say that you hate me or anything. Like first of all, the, whoever I'm with, you're gonna get knocked out. Second, like <laughs> you know, it, it like you just need the balls to do it. You have the balls to do it because you're behind your phone or you're behind your computer. I don't know that like there are days when it's easier to deal with than others. Like on Thanksgiving, when all I was doing was doing my job and tweeting about football. Like I had people like attacking my family on Thanksgiving, and I'm yeah. like, how low do you have to be? I don't right. know. Like, it's just like, if anything, like it really like my faith in the human race just goes down whenever I see stuff like that. And I don't like, and the amount of people that think it's funny and think it's cool and think it's like, it's always become come kind of a trend to hate me. And it's like, I don't understand. Like I'm just out here trying to do my job and doing something I'm good at. And listen, hate is baggage. And I don't understand why people carry it around and say some things that they do whether it's you, so many other media people out there, athletes, just personality, or even just normal everyday people, just to to get a rise out of somebody. It's just, it's really sad. And it's, uh, it's something that unfortunately I don't think is ever going to go away on social media, especially. And you just, I, I don't know, you got to learn to deal with it as best you can. Get that, Lindsay OK needs to get that block button a little more active. <laughs> oh, oh, I've blocked, I think I'm up to like over, it's like 1,000, it's over a thousand, like, a thousand and a half people blocked right now. Oh, it's not, it's not something I'm proud of, but I, I don't like, I don't block. A lot of people are like, Oh, you block me for having a different opinion than you. You can have a different opinion than me. You just don't have to be an asshole about it. Right. Right. Like you can, you can, I'll sit there and have conversations with people if they disagree with me, but I'm not going to entertain it. If you're calling me names or if you're calling me stupid or if, you know, I just don't see the point in that. Like you can have a different opinion without being mean about it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. All right, let's talk Ravens. This is why I got you on the podcast. Well, it's one of the reasons why I got you on the pod today. So Baltimore's 10-2. and two. They've won eight in a row. And during that streak, that includes, I mean, pretty handily defeating New England. They beat up on the Rams. They kicked the shit out of Houston. They also beat San Francisco by a field goal last week. So it's not just a team that's run off a bunch of wins against teams that, frankly, are not very good, which... In Buffalo Bills case, that's, you know, if you're a critic of the Bills, that's what a lot of people point to. Well, the Bills haven't really beaten anyone. Certainly can't say that with Baltimore because they played and beaten a lot of the best teams in the league. How surprising is it to fans in Baltimore right now and also to yourself that this team through 12 games is 10 and 2. And if the playoffs were to start today, they're the top seed in the AFC. So I famously, my before um, the season started, I had the Ravens going 8 and 8. That was it, you know. And that was like the ceiling for them. So I am definitely surprised. I did not expect this. I've actually picked against the Ravens the past like three weeks in a row just because I was like, okay, I can see them dropping to the Patriots. You know, it's Tom Brady. It's the Patriots. Um, And then I was like, okay, well, the Rams are due for a win. You know, they weren't doing so hot for a while. And I was like, Jared Goff, you know, this is kind of around the time when he kind kind of gets his stride. You know, Sean McVay knows what he's doing. Sure. They, you know, there's a chance that they could win. And then that didn't work out. And then, like Deshaun Watson's great. Like I can totally see him surprising a lot of people and you know, their defense is good. Sure. And all three weeks in a row I was wrong. So I don't know. It's, it's definitely surprising. I like to think a lot of people in Baltimore think the same way as me. Um, I definitely saw a lot of people say, you know, seven and nine, nine and seven, eight and eight. That's what the majority of, of 
people's picks before the season were. Um, but then you get those people that crawl out of the woodwork and say, oh my gosh, I expected this and I'm right. And I was right about this all along. And you're just not telling the truth at that point. I mean, I'm sure some people thought that and some people had a hot take and said they were going to win 10 games. But I mean, I think the majority is kind of around the same line that I'm at. Yeah. And, and same deal with Buffalo. I mean, I predicted the Bills to go eight and eight this season. So they've already surpassed that as well, which is kind of funny because this game, again, is it's a huge matchup between two of the best teams right now, not just AFC, but in the entire NFL, least record-wise. And I don't think this is a game where 12 weeks ago, a lot of people would have been saying that. Now, of course, a big reason why, probably the biggest reason why Baltimore is where they're at is because of Lamar Jackson, who clearly at this point is an MVP frontrunner. 2,532 yards passing, that's not so spectacular, but he has completed... 65% of his passes. He's got 25 touchdown passes, only five interceptions on the entire season. And of course, more importantly, it's his legs that do a lot of the damage. He's got 977 yards rushing. That's absolutely crazy, by the way, for a running back. He's probably going to go over 1,000 on Sunday. Michael Vick has a record 1,039 yards in 2006. Lamar's about to obliterate that. This has to be one of the more shocking developments at quarterback in the NFL that I can remember seeing. What about you? Again, being somebody tied into Baltimore. And again, I know that you're able to separate your, your, your fandom from Joe Flacco as him being one of your favorite players and make it all about football here. I'm sure you're surprised and you're not the only one at what Lamar Jackson has been able to do this year in his first full season as a starter in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were so quick to say that I hated Lamar Jackson because he took Flacco's job and all this, and that's just simply not true. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to put an end to that right now. That's not true at all. Um, that being said, I did not expect him to be this good this year. I don't. I again, I think a lot of people in Baltimore kind of circle around the same the same area as me. There's are a couple that are going to say, "Oh, I thought he was going to be the MVP." Like, there's just no way that you thought that after that playoff game, after like he, he was not great last season. Like there's just no way to, no other way to say it. Right. Um, and it, I don't know. A lot of people t took me saying that as me saying, I hated him. I thought he was what he was. He wasn't going to get any better. That's just not true. Um, I definitely expected him to be improved um, after all the off season work he did after a full training camp, all of that. But I did not expect him to be this good. What he's doing is something that, I don't think we've ever seen before. I mean, this turnaround has been incredible it, from going to one of the worst playoff games I've ever seen. That Chargers game was abysmal yeah. to going to an MV. Like he's my front runner for MVP right now. Like that's just something that I don't think, I mean, you don't see it very often. I don't think we'll ever see it again. I agree. And last year, I mean, his record as a starter was fine. It was six and one, but he was very much protected by an all round team effort, a really good defense. His stats were, pretty lousy, especially passing last year. He just didn't seem to me like a guy who's ready to come in in year two and light the league on fire. And it's kind of funny right now because you look back at just 2018, the NFL draft, and four quarterbacks went ahead of him. Of course, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, who's going to be on the field Sunday, and Josh Rosen, who we've already talked about. I don't think there's a GM in the National Football League right now on the face of this earth, period, who, if they had that first pick all over again, wouldn't take this kid. He's revolutionizing the game. He's Michael Vick with the legs, maybe even better than Michael Vick, but his passing accuracy is better than that too. The one thing, and I'm sure you've heard plenty about this and have thought about this yourself is you get a quarterback like that, you have to say 
well, can he maintain this? He's taking hits. Sooner or later, somebody's going to pop his ass. Obviously, that's got to be the big concern of Baltimore right now, correct? Yes, definitely. Um, and But that can go c- kind of for any player. I mean, we're talking Marshall Yonda. If he gets hurt, the team could just as very easily be done too. So it's like, there's a part of me that still kind of, a very small part kind of still has this, is this too good to be true kind of persona. It, maybe it's just me playing like devil's ad- advocate. But I mean, like you said, if somebody hits him in the knee the wrong way, he goes down. Like that's pretty much it. That's the season. So there's a lot riding on that. I still, especially last week in the rain, like I cringed every time he like made a cut every time he duped around. Like I was like, Oh, don't run. Don't turn that way. You know? So um, <laughs> yeah. that's definitely the main concern. I think that's on everybody's mind. When it comes to the offense, understandably. So Lamar Jackson's getting all the headlines. He deserves it, but he's far from being the only productive player on that offense. And a reason why this team is 10 and two and playing so well right now, one of them is Mark Ingram, the running back. He's got 837 yards rushing this year. He's on pace for 1,200 yards. He came over during the offseason from the Saints. Kind of felt like almost like an afterthought to me. When he was in New Orleans, he at some point had taken a backseat to Alvin Kamara there. So not a lot of hype when Mark Ingram signed with Baltimore. But boy, oh boy, man, he's he's been huge this year. Been very good for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, So Baltimore has like a history of running backs that kind of come in and they're great and they have this fantastic career and everybody's like, oh my gosh, they're back. Like Justin Forsett, Alex Collins, you know, those guys kind of come in for a year and then they kind of disappear. Right. Um, But I can see Ingram lasting here. I mean, the way him, him and Lamar Jackson kind of play off each other a little bit. And I think that's what makes them both successful. Um, they, they play with each other's strengths and they, they can get in there and get crafty with each other. And I feel like I, I, I think Lamar is the kind of special sprinkle of the spice for his success there. Another weapon on this team, a under the radar guy. Well, he's not under the radar to me cause he's on my fantasy team, but the tight end Mark Andrews leads the team right now and catches 53. He's got seven touchdowns. He's settled in as Lamar's favorite go-to target this year. Good job by Baltimore. They moved up nine spots in the third round last year to get this kid. He's really coming on. He's only in his second year in the league. He's an important part of this offense too, isn't he? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I had said that he he's kind of like if Dennis Pitta and Travis Kelsey had a baby, that would be Mark <laughs> Andrews. He's he's the Dennis Pitta to Joe Flacco. He's always Dennis Pitta was always there. He was always open. He was Joe Flacco's safety net. And he uh, Mark Andrews has become that for Lamar. He seems to always be there and always be open. And he can always catch the ball. And then Travis Kelsey has this aura about him where he's locked in. He's going to go up and get the ball. He doesn't care if he lands on his elbow. He doesn't care if he lands on his ribs. Like his main concern is catching the ball and he'll worry about the rest later. So he kind of has those two baby making people out there kind of <laughs> kind of making him into that tight end. And he's a really special player. And I think he, he's just going to get better. Now when you talk about some of the stars of this offense. Ingram, Andrews, of course, Lamar. A guy like Marquise Brown gets afforded the luxury of coming in as a rookie without a ton of pressure on him. He doesn't have to come in and be Julio Jones in his first year. Now, this kid has been, he's put up some good, decent numbers, at least anyway. He's got 36 catches, six touchdowns this year, a little over 500 yards receiving. He's had a couple games where he's been very good, but he's also had some games where, and he's also battled injury problems where he, um, he's been inconsistent. He's kind of disappeared a little bit. But again, when you have a team like this, a, a veteran team, well, actually, <laughs> actually, these, the guys I'm saying, except for Ingram, are actually pretty young. But anyway, you know, an organization like Baltimore, 
it affords you an opportunity to come in and kind of, you know, not get thrown under the bus or into the fire. Like you said earlier about Josh Rosen in Miami, he's getting an opportunity to kind of ease his way into what ultimately will be his role on this team. Yeah. And I think that's important. Um, he, like you, like you said, he's not getting thrown to the wolves right away. He's not expected to put up all those big stats, but he's there if you need him, you know, and he's kind of gone through the injury thing. And, but the good news is like with this team, with Lamar, with Ingram, like you don't really need him. Um, same thing with, um, I'm blanking on his name, the other Boykin. Um, you haven't seen a lot from him either, but I mean, you honestly don't really need him. Like somebody asked me the other day, if, they needed Boykin to be a number two. And I'm like, you know, right now they're doing it without him. I mean, yeah. it's a plus maybe next year if he can get with a wide receiver coach in the offseason and just up his game from there. Like it's a definite plus, but right now they've shown they can do it without him. They don't really need him. So um, I think, I think Brown kind of benefits from that too. So let's take a quick break. Want to let you know today's show is supported by Pulse Cellular. Today's lifestyle demand is the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data. Coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each. That includes hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and up to 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers out there, Pulse has you covered in Canada and Mexico. Plus, text and data in over 210 countries worldwide all with the best phones, or you can bring your own. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. You know what's crazy, Lindsay? We've been talking Baltimore Ravens now for a good handful of minutes, and I haven't even mentioned the word defense once. That's crazy to me because if there's one thing about the Ravens that's been a trademark forever with this organization, it's good defense. That's the case again this year. They're fifth in points, ninth in yards allowed. How is this team able to maintain such a level of consistency year after year when it comes to the defense? Whether the team overall is great, average, poor, the defense is always good. How does that happen year after year with this team? They just know how to do it. It's the formula. I mean, you see other teams like the Steelers. I think the reason why the Ravens and the Steelers hate each other so much is because they mirror each other. They're the same team. So um, they're just being able to go in and get defensive guys who may not be big names. They might not be sexy names. I mean, besides um, Ozzy's obsession with the Alabama linebackers. Right. Um, but you see uh, these guys come in and they're just able to put up numbers and then they go elsewhere and they don't do as well. I mean, that's kind of just like the the underlining story for Baltimore defense. When it comes to Matthew Judon's a linebacker there, at least a team with seven sacks, 13 and a half tackles for a loss. He's been consistently very good now for three years in Baltimore. Yet, I never hear this guy's name mentioned around the league at all. Pretty much never. How underrated is this guy? Because this guy's a good football player. Yeah, I mean, he's fantastic. He's one of the guys that obviously doesn't get mentioned. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the entire league right now. I mean, what he's doing, what they say about a defensive player, like if you don't really hear your name called, that's when you're doing a good job. Um, the same can be said about a defensive lineman, a, you know, even offensive line, if we're going to go that route. If they're not calling your name, you're doing a good job. So um, obviously, I'd like to hear his name more often. I think the most most I've heard his name this year is when he made the Taco Bell comment. <laughs> Um, did you hear that? No, I didn't. What? Tell me about that. So I think it was on, it must've been Sunday night football. And he said, as they do like the player intros, 
he said Matthew Judon body like Taco Bell. Really? Instead, instead, of, or body from Taco Bell or something like that. And uh, instead of saying his like college name, and that's like the most I've heard his name's been talked about nationally all year. That is hilarious. One body thing, built by Taco Bell. That's body built by, body Taco built by Taco Bell. Bell. <laughs> yeah. One thing Baltimore always seems to do is have good veteran leadership. Maybe a couple guys that were with the team that are now gone. They're either retired or moved on. Flacco being one of them. They always go out and get someone else. This year, it's Earl Thomas. He comes from Seattle. He's played well. They go out and they trade Marcus for Marcus Peters with the Rams earlier. Again, I'm trying to pick holes in this team, and I'm having a really difficult time doing it. We already talked about the offense. We're talking about Matthew Jenner, linebacker. The secondary is very good, too. There's not a lot of weaknesses on this football team. I know. It's scary, isn't it? It is. It <laughs> I mean, legitimately is. Scary. Um, yeah, but a lot of the guys, like Eric Weddle, for example, is one of the guys that kind of went elsewhere. And he was almost like the quarterback of the defense. And then you had Suggs go elsewhere and Zadarius Smith go elsewhere. And all of those guys were, C.J. Mosley is another one. All right. those guys kind of went elsewhere and you didn't really expect much from the defense because there's all your veteran leaders. Like, what are you going to do? And they had like Earl Thomas come in, like you mentioned, but he's only one guy. It's really hard to replace four positions at once with sure. just one person. So, um, and again, I really did not expect them to do as well as they're doing right now. Yeah, that's a lot of guys that you mentioned on defense that left. You would It would have been anticipated for them to, I don't want to say plummet, but at least take a big step back defensively. And certainly not been the case. I mean, look, even the kicker, Justin Tucker, that dude is money. Reliable kicker in this league, in a league now where good kickers are becoming more and more of a rarity. How important is this guy? He's He literally wins games. In fact, he's done it twice this year. You um, Baltimore's won by a field goal, including last week. It's, I mean, again, just another clutch player. Yeah, kicking around the league is so terrible right now. I mean, how many offseason stories did we hear about how this team has been trying out six kickers every couple of weeks because the other one, you know, missed a game-winning kick? I mean, that's something you don't you don't really think about it until you have to worry about it. Yeah. Um. And Justin Tucker is like the safety net, and he, I mean, he won the game last week. It's such a luxury to have a kicker where he gets out there and you, and you feel like he's going to make it. I've watched a lot of Bills games this year. Stephen Hoskins, the Bills kickers, had a couple of problems. He missed a field goal on Thanksgiving. And it didn't hurt him. But I've seen other teams. In fact, the Bills beat Tennessee earlier this year in large part because the kicker missed three field goals. Dallas's kicker missed two field goals on Thanksgiving as well, although ultimately it didn't end up mattering. But yeah, kicking has been a problem around the NFL. Certainly not with Baltimore. All right, so let's turn our attention now to Sunday's game. So you're the Buffalo Bills, okay? You know the Ravens very well. You know the Bills have a good defense. What what would be your strategy? How are you going to defend Lamar Jackson? Oh, that's such a tough question. It is, because no one else can figure <laughs> it out. Yeah, um, I'd like to say the 49ers contained him for a little bit. They kind of forced him to throw a little bit when he didn't need to. Um, and I feel like you kind of have to attack that a little bit. The big thing for me would be to win the offensive line battle, which, I mean, you're more in tune with the Bills than I am. Like, do you think that's something they can do or sure. what? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that would be my, the first step. <laughs> um, going from there, like whether you can do that or not um, can kind of, you know, determine. But it's just, it's so hard to defend him. I really don't think there's one way. There's not a blueprint or anything that you hear talked about. So I really think it, you have to do you have to do multiple things, and that's hard to do for a football team. That's hard to plan for. I'll tell you, I'd hate to compare a second-year quarterback that hasn't really done much in the NFL outside of having a really good regular season so far to an icon like, say, a Michael Jordan. But 
you got to hear me out here when I say this. In some ways, there was no way to defend Michael Jordan. The, the way to defend him was to hope that Michael Jordan wasn't Michael Jordan that night. You know, that the shot wasn't falling and it just didn't have it that night. As long as this kid stays healthy, that's kind of what I'm feeling when it comes to Lamar Jackson is you just got to hope he doesn't have a good day if you're a Buffalo guy. You know, you got to hope that he misfires on some passes. I'll say this. The Bills do have a very good defense, a very athletic defense that I feel like they match up well against Baltimore. But here's the problem. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? I could have said the same thing about the New England Patriots defense. Could have said the same thing about the Houston Texans defense. To a lesser degree, the San Francisco defense, I thought they all have great defenses too. To some extent, Lamar Jackson shredded them as well. So what's to say that it's not going to continue on Sunday? I do like the Bills defense again as a whole, but I don't know. When it comes to Lamar Jackson, at least the way he's playing right now, maybe in a year or two, teams will watch more film and they can start to figure more things out. But the way he's playing right now, the only person who's going to stop Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do kind of think that if Bill Belichick gets a second try at him, I think he's smart enough to maybe be able to figure it out. Sure. Um, but that's Bill Belichick. He's the best at what he does possibly ever. So yeah. it's, it's a really it's a really high, high bar there. Um, I, we talked about a handful of players that have went to Baltimore and produced for them. One guy who used to play for Baltimore and now he's in Buffalo is John Brown, the wide receiver. He's doing great things in Buffalo. He's become the team's go-to guy this year. Him and Cole Beasley, but mainly John Brown throughout the season. He's been he's been a godsend to this team right now. The Bills had some of the worst wide receivers in the NFL last year. I'm not quite sure where they would be this year without John Brown. When he was a Raven, could you envision him going to another team and making the kind of impact like he has right now in Buffalo? Yeah, actually. Um he's kind of, he kind of he did really well with Flacco. Um he became that guy for Flacco too, for a while. Do you think, all right, so let me ask you this. You have your finger on the pulse of Ravens fans pretty well. They've had big games this year. They're going on the road. And again, every game is important for them because they're trying to hold off New England right now and get in the top seed. So they have plenty to play for, just like the Buffalo Bills do quite obviously at this point. Do you think that Ravens fans are legitimately concerned about this game in Buffalo on Sunday, going to Orchard Park where the Bills are nine and three. They did win on Thanksgiving. They look good on the road at Dallas. They pretty much dominated Dallas. As a Ravens fan, do you think they're concerned about going into Buffalo on Sunday? So this is my thing. I think outwardly they'll say they're not, but inwardly I think they are. Um, it, the same thing can be said for Patriots fans. They'll outwardly say that they don't care. This is another bye week for us, you know, yada, yada, yada. But inside, they're like, okay, like if they really pick apart the game, they can see themselves losing. They can see the instances where they can lose, where they can fall behind. I mean, I think, unfortunately, this team is on such a roll right now that they just feel like every game's in the bag. And that's just simply not true. I mean, you almost lost last week. And um, if it wasn't for Justin Tucker, you probably would have. So it's like, I feel like there has to be a little bit of doubt because if there isn't, then you're just playing yourself. This is the NFL. Like anything can happen at any, on any, any given Sunday. I hate that cliche, but it's so true. It is true. And before we wrap up with the mini lightning round, I got to ask, I'd be remiss if I didn't got to get a prediction when it's all said and done. It's about, I don't know, 410, 415 PM on Sunday. Give me a winner. Give me a score. All right. I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Um, I really think the Ravens defense is going to kind of falter in this one. I think the Ravens run defense is still kind of problematic there. 
And I think the pass rush is a problem for the Ravens defense also. And I think Josh Allen's really good, like point blank he is. So I'm going to say the Ravens win probably, let's see, maybe 27-21. Okay. You know what? You just mentioned Josh Allen. Let's make a deal here, okay? So if Joe Flacco is done, all right, if he's done, and if Josh Rosen goes to a third team next year and he falls on his face, I think you should jump on the Josh Allen bandwagon. Okay, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I like him. <laughs> all right, Lizzie. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to end with the mini lightning round. I do this with all my media people. I'm just going to ask you a bunch of, by the way, I haven't done this on this podcast in a while, so I'm kind of excited about this. I'm going to ask you a bunch of little random rapid fire human interest questions. Not a lot of deep thought required. Whatever the first thing pretty much that pops in your mind, that'll be your answer. You good with that? Yeah. All right, here we go. Favorite all-time athlete whose name is not Joe Flacco. And you know what? Not Josh Rosen either. Oh, crap. That was my second one. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to say Ed Reed. Ed Reed. Okay. Favorite city that you have visited? Oh, um, New York. New York. Okay. Do you remember your first celebrity crush? Uh, probably JTT. JTT? Yeah. Home Improvement. Do you, know, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, okay. At first, I'm like, yeah. what? I, I was like a JT, just, Justin Timberlake. Oh, a JTT. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. What's your go-to snack? Popcorn. Popcorn. All right. What movie have you probably rewatched more than any other? Oh, um, probably Mean Girls. Mean Girls. Okay. This one's tough. I know it. I need your Mount Rushmore of TV shows. Now, I know it's probably easy, and then it gets a little harder as you try to come up with four, but give me your Mount Rushmore. Yeah. You might have to talk this out. It might take you a second. Okay, so I'm going. Let's see. I'm so afraid I'm going to forget a good show, and then I'm going to look. Oh, you're definitely, I really love, you're definitely yeah, going Yeah, I really to. love stupid shows like The Bachelor and Grey's Anatomy, but they're not like on my Mount Rushmore of shows. Those are just more like to pass the time. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go Saturday Night Lights. Okay. Um, Lost. Good one. Um, Boy Meets World. Okay. And this one really got me, but, <laughs> and everybody's going to laugh at me for this, but it's such good TV. I'm going Dance Moms here. Okay. <laughs> I like <laughs> it's that. Just, I mean, the first, the first season is just pure gold, like TV. I've also been watching, um, have you seen 911? Um, it's you... a Fox show. No, I don't think I have. Oh, it's really good. Is it? I, I wouldn't, I'm not sure if I could put it on my like Mount Rushmore, but it's really good. I'll have to check it out. So, yeah, that's my recommendation for you. Okay. Name a TV game show that you feel like you could potentially dominate if you were on it, whether it's a game show that's present or whether it's something from the past. Mm, definitely not Jeopardy. <laughs> um, Me neither. <laughs> I get like one question right whenever I watch it. <laughs> um, probably, price, probably Price is Right. Okay. Last couple here. So instead of doing this podcast interview via phone right now, we're hanging out at a bar right now, having a couple of drinks, and I somehow convince you to get on stage and do some karaoke. And in this little world of ours, you're an amazing singer. So you grab the microphone. What song are you going to do that the whole world, or at least the whole bar anyway, is going to be like fixated on you while you sing, whether it's a, a rock jam, a slow jam, whatever it may be. Give me a karaoke song that you either can do or that you'd love to do that would get the crowd like inspired to listen to. 
So fun fact, I've never done karaoke before and I have no intention to do it, but hypothetically I would say my heart will go on by Celine Dion, hands down. Okay. That's a good one. <laughs> Last two here. Okay. It, who, I want to know who your favorite Twitter follow is. Like put it this way. If Twitter were to send you a note right now and say, Lindsay, we have a new policy and each person's only allowed to follow one person or one Twitter handle. That's it. Every other person that you follow or Twitter handle that you follow is gone except for one. Who would it be? Oh God, that's so hard. It is very hard. This is so hard. Um, I don't want to say myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh God. So I'm going to go from the football world here. So I don't know if you know him. His name is Will Brinson. From he works at CBS. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I he's he's the perfect amount of like insightful. He gives you news, and then he's also really funny. So I probably go someone. If not him, then I'd go someone like that. Yeah, Will's one of my favorite followers on Twitter for sure too. Yeah. Uh, all right, last question here. My favorite one, which sometimes <laughs> is difficult. You could have three dinner guests from any era, dead or alive, any celebrity, historical figure, whoever it may be. Three people at your dinner table. Drinks, some eats. Who you got? Who Justin Timberlake for sure. Okay. Um, probably Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Just because I don't really have a reason. I just think it would be cool to talk to him. Absolutely, absolutely. Probably Marilyn Monroe or Judy Garland, one of the two. All right, that's perfect. By the way, one thing I love about you—you are totally in sync over Backstreet Boys. I see that on Twitter sometimes. I'm like, yes. They're so much better. Absolutely. All right, everyone, give Lindsay a follow on Twitter at Lindsay. Okay, that's Lindsay with two Y's. Also, I'm going to plug your Patreon page too. You have a blog and it ranges from one to 10 bucks, which is like, like you said on your page, it's a couple of beers. It's one beer if you're at the Baltimore airport or pretty much any <laughs> airport, actually. Good stuff. I really enjoy it. I love talking. I love following you on Twitter. You're a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Thank you. No problem. Anytime. That interview was brought to you by Mac Hundle voiceovers. My man, Mac Hundle started doing voice radio ads all the way back in the 1990s. As his career progressed, he began to branch out doing voice work in TV and films, e-learning companies, voice solution groups. By 2004, 15, Matt started working in voice full-time, and he has been absolutely killing it ever since. Matt is now the president of the Sound Off Media Company, which, by the way, produces an amazing podcast called The Sound Off Podcast, where Matt interviews guests from the world of broadcast and radio. Really good show. Go check that out. Anyway, if you need a voice for TV, radio, online videos, podcasts, telephone, corporate narrations, you name it, Matt Kundal is definitely your guy. I've used Matt's voice for stuff on many occasions with this podcast and other projects as well. Sponsors have done commercials with his voice and they've been happy each and every single time. I have as well. I know you will. Go to mattkundal.ca for more information. All right, so before I get out of here and put a bow on this episode, I just want to spend a couple of minutes giving my own thoughts about this game coming up on Sunday. Buffalo, Baltimore, very big game. 
Lindsay and I just talked about it. And again, I want to got a couple thoughts of my own here. I want to say this. I've talked to a lot of Bills fans over this past week or so, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook or just friends of mine in person that I've spoken with. And universally, the theme seems to be that this feels like a great game in terms of a measuring stick for the Bills, a showcase game. Hearing those two terms a lot. And I'm going to be completely honest with you folks. I kind of hate it. I don't like it at all. First of all, look, the Buffalo Bills are 9-3 and three right now, okay? They're 9-3. and three. They went into Dallas on Thanksgiving, football world watching, and laid the smackdown on the Dallas Cowboys on their field in front of their dickhead owner, Jerry Jones. That was awesome. I don't need a showcase game for the Bills. I don't need a measuring stick for the Bills. You know what a measuring stick for me is? Getting in the playoffs. That's a measuring stick. I don't care about style points. I don't care who they beat. I don't care who they didn't beat. I care that they've played 12 games and I care that they have nine wins right now. That's the type of mentality that I'm trying to have when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. I don't care about moral victories or any of that crap anymore. I just don't. This team is different to me. It's a different Buffalo Bills team and it's a different Buffalo Bills culture. And anytime I've seen with this team in at least 15 to 18 years, and I'm going to include the 2017 playoff team, and I'm using air quotes here. I wish this was video instead of audio so you could see my air quotes, that essentially got lucky to make the playoffs. This team's different. I don't care about showcase games. I don't care about any of that. You know what Sunday's game is to me? Sunday's game is one word. Opportunity. I'm sorry. It's two words. Huge opportunity. Because of one reason and one reason only. I don't want to see how the Bills measure up against Baltimore, who, by the way, I think is without question the best team in the AFC, quite possibly the entire NFL. I don't care about seeing how we measure up against them, though. I want to win that game. I want to win that game. Opportunity. Opportunity, folks. Here's the bottom line. Here's the deal. If, and I'm not being naive. Again, I just said it. Baltimore's the best team in the AFC, maybe the best team in the, in the entire NFL with the NFL MVP, as long as he stays healthy. No question about that. Having said all that, if the Buffalo Bills can somehow on their home field in front of 70,000 rabid fans on Sunday beat the Baltimore Ravens, and if the New England Patriots, albeit in Foxborough, lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, who, by the way, are not the same Kansas City Chiefs team that we've been watching. Patrick Mahomes is looking healthy and playing well again. The defense is getting better. A month ago, it looked like the Chiefs were going to win the AFC West only because they were playing in the sorry-ass AFC West. Not the case right now. They're playing good football. They're dangerous. And we already know New England is far from unbeatable right now. The Bills could have beat them many weeks ago. They didn't get it done, but they could have. My point being, the Patriots are not looking like the Patriots that we've become accustomed to through all these years. The offense looks shitty, all right? It looks shitty. And if any team could turn it around, I'm sure it is the Patriots. I know that. I'm not stupid. But that offense looks like shit. I'm not scared of them. I'm sure as hell no Andy Reid ain't scared of them and Patrick Mahomes ain't scared of them. So anyway, long story short, because I'm kind of babbling on here, 
If the Bills can beat Baltimore, and if New England loses to Kansas City on Sunday, guess what? The Bills are now one game away next week at Pittsburgh. And if you beat Baltimore, I'm very confident that you can go into Pittsburgh. The lights are not going to be too bright. They just played on Thanksgiving. They got it done in Dallas. No reason why they can't go into Pittsburgh and get it done against Austin Hedges, whatever the hell his name is, or Mason Rudolph, or whatever scrub that the Steelers have at quarterback. And I'm not completely discounting the Steelers. They're a tough team, well-coached, good defense, hard-nosed football team. But screw that, man. You beat Baltimore, you can beat the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. So the Bills go. They handle business next week, too. If they, if they can beat Baltimore on Sunday, guess what? Saturday, December 21st, week 16, Foxborough, Massachusetts, 4.30 p.m., Nance on the call, Tony Romo on the call, all the marbles, the Bills and the Patriots. And if the Bills somehow can win that game, and again, I'm sticking to what I said. I don't think the Patriots are anywhere as good this year as they have been in recent years. The Bills can go 13-3, and man. They can run the table. They can win the AFC East. They can get a bye. And they can have the number one record in the entire AFC. Because guess what? If they went out, and that includes Baltimore on Sunday, obviously, they beat the Ravens in a tiebreaker. That would be the Ravens' third loss. If they went out, and that would include beating New England. And if New England does lose to the Chiefs, which has to happen, realistically, that's the only Bills path. There's another one, but they're not losing to the Dolphins. So they have to lose to the Chiefs. And then the Bills beat them. The Bills went out. Bills get the number one seed. So I don't want to hear about anything else other than the word opportunity. It's all about the opportunity on Sunday. And it's a big one. And again, Lamar Jackson, without question, if he stays healthy, he's winning NFL MVP, which by the way, is completely deserved. He has revolutionized that position this year. Absolutely incredible. And the Ravens are so much more than that. A very dangerous tight end in Mark Andrews, really good running back in Mark Ingram, and death taxes, and the Ravens play good defense. What else is freaking new, right? They're playing good defense. They're a good football team. They're an all-around football team. Hell, even their kicker is great. Justin Tucker is amazing. Not going to be easy. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you here. If you put a gun in my head, do I want the Bills to win? Yes, of course I want the Bills to win. I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend to be unbiased and objective. I don't write for the Buffalo News. I don't cover the Bills for the Athletic. I don't need to be that. I'm telling your asses straight up, I want the Bills to win this football game. I'm a podcaster. I'm not on the radio. I could say what I want to say. So I'm going to say I want the Bills to win this football game. Bah, I said it. But I'm also keeping it real. You put a gun in my head. My life depends on it. My mediocre Christmas bonus depends on it. No, I don't think the Bills are going to win the game. I think Baltimore is just too talented all the way around. I really, truly do. I don't think they're going to come into Buffalo and walk over the Bills. I don't think they're going to have a walk in the park, but I can see them winning by a touchdown in a close game. But now having said that, and again, I'm being objective here when I say this, I don't think it's impossible for the Bills to win by any means. I know there's been good defenses out there that supposedly match up well against Lamar Jackson, and somehow, some way, he still find it a way, he found a way, I should say, to shred them. I know this happened. He did it to the Patriots. He did it to Houston. I mean, they killed Houston. He did it to the Rams. Those teams have good defenses, and Lamar made them look stupid. 
could happen against the Bills, but I like this defense. I like Leslie Frazier. Obviously, I like Sean McDermott. I like this matchup for the defense. Tredavious White could take Marquise Brown out of the game. I have no question about that much. The Bills' pass rush has been very good lately. Very good lately. I think they got like 15 sacks or something like that in the last three games. So they could get pressure on them. And then they got linebackers who could run. Milano's a playmaker. He's got a nose for the football. He might miss plays, but he makes up for his misses because he'll get a timely interception or a forced fumble or a big tackle for a loss, something like that. And of course, Tremaine Edmonds, far from perfect, but you know what he can do? He can run. There ain't a lot of middle linebackers in the NFL who are faster than him. Not a lot of guys on that defensive side, especially a front seven that can run with Lamar Jackson, but he can. So the Bills do have the horses to match up with this team. And then on the other side of the ball, hey, you got to give Josh Allen credit. I don't care what your stance is or was on him. You're being blind if you don't say that he's not playing far and away his best football. Who's to say that doesn't continue? It's more than just Josh Allen throwing to John Brown now. Beasley's getting more involved. I like Dawson Knox to potentially have a good game because I think a lot of attention is going to be paid to the outside receivers. And I really, really like Devin Singletary. I've said it last week on this show. I think when it's all said and done on this offense, I think Devin Singletary might be the most talented player on the entire offense, and I am including Josh Allen in that. So no, I'm not going to pick the Bills if my life depends on it. My heart says yes. My brain says no. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills found a way to pull it off. And again, it's not about anything else except one thing, opportunity. So this is going to be a fun game. It's going to be a big game. And for the first time in a long time, I quite literally cannot wait until Sunday. And on that note, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again, Lindsay OK, NFL blogger, social media personality, really good person. I love Lindsay a lot, man. She's so cool. Thanks again for doing the show. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff really helps me continue to grow this podcast. Of course, you can catch us on Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere. Future award-winning podcasts are found. New shows every Tuesday and every Friday. Also, next time you're on YouTube, hit up Analytics Podcast on YouTube. We got our own YouTube channel. Subscribe to that podcast clips, original audio content, Buffalo Bills stuff. Got some chicken wing reviews going up there. Tons more. Lots of fun. Subscribe to that. Last but not least, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. Constantly tweeting out podcast updates, upcoming guests, polls, prize pack giveaways, which we will be getting back to very soon. My thoughts, my shitty takes, fighting with fans, all kinds of fun stuff there. Thanks again for listening. I say it all the time. I truly, truly mean it. I appreciate each and every single one of you that take time from your day. I know we live in a world now with a billion podcast options out there, including about 150 or 200 of them just from Buffalo alone. So when you're pressing play and listening to this show, I don't care where you are, home, office, car, gym, whatever, means the world to me. It is so humbling, so appreciative. So thank you very much. Have a good weekend. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to end this by saying something I usually don't say. Go Bills. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.